Well, good morning. Happy Mother's Day. We're so glad you're here. Uh, we're going to say it until you don't want to hear it anymore. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, we're so grateful for moms. Uh, literally, none of us would be here without them, and we recognize that today. Um, but we know what's true is that you don't have to legally carry the title of mom to fill the role of mom. And there's many of you here who uh, fill that role for a child, be it a niece, be it a nephew, be it a spiritual grandkid, uh, be it a, your actual grandkid, that there's many different uh, people involved in the lives of kids. And we just want to take today to celebrate you and, and all that you do. I, I, um, as most of you probably know, I am a, a parent of two kids under the age of two. And so I have an incredible appreciation for my wife and all that she does. And, and for moms and all that they do. And uh, much of what you do seems unseen and unknown, but I can tell you that as uh, you know this, as you look back and reflected on your own mom, how grateful you were for all that she did that maybe you didn't always say. Um, but we just wanted to say thank you to you uh, this morning. As we are in our series here, The Fight of Our Life, um, we're going to continue this conversation into Mother's Day because what we understand is that um, you're having battles not just for your own life, but if you have other people in your life, the Word of God has called you to fight well for them. And so today's sermon's uh, titled The Fight of Your Life for the Next Generation because uh, we believe that the battles you are going to fight, that you fight for the next generation, may be some of the most important that you fight because the reality is whatever season our kids are in, there is a war that is being waged on the next generation. It used to be subtle. It used to kind of be hidden. Um, it is not subtle and it is not hidden um, that the enemy has an agenda for our kids. And so we also want to have an agenda according to the word of God for God's kids. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is how do we uh, at different phases and different seasons of life walk in a way that God will call us to. And I hope today encourages you. I hope it inspires you. Um, clearly, not a mom up here, um, which makes me not a subject matter on the issue, but I asked a bunch of moms some things and some questions about mothers, and I said, hey, if you had the stage for 30 minutes, what would you say? And this is some of the things that they shared with me uh, out of the Word of God, so I hope it uh, challenges you. One of the interesting things about the seasons of life is, you know, there, there's times where I'm sure you feel like uh, you're winning. Now, those winning moments may feel less and less as they get older and older, but there's certain, certainly victories, right? When they walk for the first time, uh, when they eat food and it's not on the walls for the first time, right? There's, there's certain uh, victories that we celebrate, and there's also some very low lows in there when your child first learns how to tell you no and run the other direction, right? Like there's those moments. And then there's the teen years. That's all I'm going to say about that one. And then there's the adult children phase, which I've heard is one of the more difficult phases um, because not only does your little angel, who sometimes you wonder if got replaced for a gremlin, but this little angel now has the money, power, and resources to make their own decisions, and you just get to offer input from a different perspective and the challenges that come uh, with that. And at each of those phases, there are things that scriptures would call us to do to fight well for them. And so I want you today to feel prepared um, to, to fight the fight of your life and fight the fight of the life of the, the people and the children that God has put or the kids that God has put around you, be it a, a real kid or a grandkid or a spiritual a kid uh, that God has called you to influence. And so I, I want to take a look today um, at a bunch of different verses. We're going to be kind of all over the place. Um, but I want to look at Proverbs 31. If you don't know what Proverbs 31 is, it describes the characteristics of a godly woman, uh, somebody who follows hard after God. Here's some things that her life would look like. And I want to draw your attention just to one thing that's said about uh, this woman that is talked about in Proverbs 31. It says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. I love this uh, 
verse here because you just get this picture of uh, this woman who's standing there uh, in strength. She is poised. She is unwavered. She is strong, and she is ready to face the day's battles. And um, I think as I listen to moms talk, that's not always how you feel, right? That's not necessarily how you would characterize Monday morning for you. Um, And so I want to lean into this passage and begin to ask the question, why? Why is she sitting in this position? Well, she's in this position of strength and dignity, not because she trusts in her own strength, but because she has been clothed with God's strength. Because a woman who walks with the Lord is one who has given the courage and confidence to fight the fight that she has been called to fight. And I love the second part of this verse. It says she can laugh at the days to come. See, when she, when she looks into the future and she sees what's coming for her kids and, and all of the unknowns and expectations and, and whatever season is next that can cause all those reasons for fear and wonder and worry, when, when she looks at them, she just kind of gets a smirk on her face and laughs like, ha, you think you've got me. And you have to ask why, how, like how does she have such confidence? Well, because she knows she serves the God who's already purchased victory. She serves the God who already has gone ahead of her, so she gets to laugh, and I think there's something else in there for us. Let's say this afternoon, what you wanted for your Mother's Day present was to go walk in the woods and pick flowers and look at birds and leave Dad with all the kids, all right? There's an idea for you. You're welcome, okay? You're walking through the woods, and as you're walking, you hear this big roar behind you, and a bear pops up, up on its hind legs, ready to attack you. Every one of us, to the man and the woman, is going to scream, yell, Uh, probably run the other direction, and a few of us may need to change our pants when we get back, right? Like, just scared. Now, why? Because something frightening caught you off guard. It surprised you. Now let's run a different scenario. You're sitting in your house this afternoon, and you sent your husband and the kid out into the woods, and now you're safely inside of the house, and you see the bear from a distance coming towards the house, and you look... You got bear spray in your hand, and you see the bear pop up to the bear feeder and start to eat out of it. Are you scared of the bear? Probably not. Are you thinking, oh, this is kind of cute? Do you bring your kids inside, and they look and go, oh, look at this. Isn't this cute? Right? Yes, I know, because that's what happens when a bear shows up in my lawn. It becomes cute. What changed? Nothing changed about the bear. Nothing changed about the potential danger. What changed was you. You're in a place of preparedness. You had a plan. You weren't caught off guard. You were ready and protected. See, I think that's the kind of courage that I see out of this Proverbs woman, that she had a plan. She understood what was coming. And I think today what I want to give you really is a plan that you feel prepared. When, not if, but when trials and difficulties come for those that you love, are you ready and ready to fight well for them. So I'm going to give you five things today. These aren't all, all five you could talk about. These are just five uh, really important ones that I think <clears throat> will be helpful for us this morning. Here's the first one for you. I want you to use the army God has given you. I want you to use the army God has given you. You are fighting a battle for your kids that as strong as you are and as incredible as moms are, you can't do it alone. And I know some of you are in positions where you feel like you're doing it all alone, it would be the enemy's lie that would keep you in that position that you and you alone are fighting this. Because while some of us may be in those circumstances, you are in a room full of people who are ready to fight for your children. You're in a room full of people who love God and love your kids and are ready to to help defend them against the attacks of the enemy. I want you to read what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says this, carry each other's burdens And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. 
It says, you and I were not designed to carry things all on our own. Sometimes things are just too heavy, and you need some people to come alongside of you, to rally with you, to help you. And you know what? That's okay. It doesn't mean you're a bad mom. It doesn't mean you're a failing mom. It means you understand how God has designed it to work, that we need each other. And here's the interesting thing, too. God actually designed this in a way that, that other people have gifts that your kids need. I want you to see how Paul puts this again in, in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace God according to the grace given to each of us. What does that mean? It means God has put people in this room and God has put people in in your life who have certain gifts that your kids need. Uh, I was recently talking to a a parent that really respects how they raise their kids. They have phenomenal kids and they're talking about their 16-year-old son and they just couldn't get something across to him. And uh, so he said, so I called a friend and said, hey, can you go hang out with my son and talk to him about this conversation? And I thought to myself, wow, Here's a really capable dad going, I can't get through on that one. Somebody else has a gifting for this situation to love on and help my kid find Jesus. Because um, here's the thing about parenting. It's not much different than making disciples, right? So, So the Bible doesn't say a ton about parenting, but it says a lot about making disciples. And what is making disciples? It's helping people take their actions, thoughts, and behaviors and bring them into subjection to the way of Jesus. What is parenting? Helping the little ones, or not so little ones, bring their thoughts, actions, and feelings into subjection into the way of Jesus that it may go well for them. And so um, sometimes you need a spiritual aunt or uncle in your life, in your kid's life, to speak into them. I know I have served as a spiritual uncle to many, and I've been a spiritual nephew to many and have incredibly benefited from it. Now here's the hang-up. The mom guilt sends it onto other moms, and you feel bad that you're asking other people who are busy to do things for your kids. And so you, what do you do? You don't call because you don't want to burden them, but you might be robbing them of the very opportunity to exercise the gift that God has given them to love your kids in that particular season. That may be how God has called them to love and serve others by helping you along the way. Now, this doesn't mean that it removes the responsibility you have to be a spiritual a contributor to your kid's life, but it does mean you have backup which is why we invest over 50% of our building to our kids' ministry back there, which is why a ton of our financial resources go into supporting your kids, which is why we give you those parent packs because we want to be backup for you. We want to be saying the same things you're trying to say so that your kids hear it from a bunch of different angles that they grow up to be the kids that you want them to be. But kids are humans. They have free will. We can't always decide that, but we're going to do our absolute best to help you succeed at that. And I, I think... Um, it's kind of working because we got four carnations up here this morning of what God is doing. And there was 98 kids in the back of the, the church uh, last week. And so I just want to take a minute and just say thank you to our kids ministry leaders. Give them a round of applause. Come on. I don't know if you've hung out with 98 children recently, but it takes a special person. And we appreciate that they're special people. If you want to join in helping them, there's a ton of different ways you can serve back there. Uh, side note, just wanted you to hear that. that we, we love what's going on back there, and God's doing great things. Confession time this morning. Uh, how many of you have ever found yourself losing a debate with a child who can't even reach the milk off the top shelf yet? 
Anybody? All right. See, there's, there's, these kids are masterful negotiators. And when I hear people talk about kids as I was growing up, what I heard all the time was just, oh, there's so much fighting and fighting and fighting. Like this morning, we were trying to stop Jocko from feeding his brother the bottle, which turned into chucking the bottle at him because it wasn't what he wanted, right? Like it just starts early. And, and I, it's a bummer that that's what's characterized around kids is fighting and us fighting with our kids about obedience. But I think there is a fighting that's really, really good. And it's what I want to invite you to continue to do because you need to fight for your kids through prayer. Our second point for us this morning is that you would fight on your knees. That we wouldn't fight in debates, that we would get on our knees and just begin to use the greatest weapons that God has given us at our disposal for our kids, which is to invite the King of Heaven to come in and show us what to do. It was just to invite the King of Heaven into their hearts that he would move them and mold them in ways that we just can't as mere humans, that we would fight with the weapons that God has given us. One of the things I hear from uh, moms and dads all the time is, how much they miss the quiet time in the morning before their kids wake up, right? Like every now and then, everybody will still be sleeping and you like creak through the house and then you drop something and all the kids wake up and then it's over, right? Like well, you know what that feeling's like and, and I just want to spend time with God, but it's hard to get up. And before I had kids in my naive, naive state, I apologize if I said it to any of you, I would just say, get up earlier. Okay, I didn't know children got up before Jesus got up, okay? But now I do, <laughs> And what I will say is, with everything in you, make, do try to make it happen. I will say, you will benefit incredibly from getting up and spending time with the Lord. Your kids will benefit greatly. I know it doesn't always happen now, okay? Now I know. All right, I'm sorry. But Paul gives us an incredible opportunity to spend some time with the Lord and how he phrases these words. Let's look at this. First Thessalonians Let's go ahead and throw it up there, guys. First Thessalonians 5.16. He says this, Rejoice Always, that may be a take-home for some of us here today alone. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This idea of praying continually, or as another translation puts it, praying without ceasing, would it, would it be for us, and be it for me and for you, a reminder that at every point throughout the day, you have an opportunity to invite the God of all power into uh, this situation? And I know that there's so many things that are rolling around in our head, but what would it look like if at every opportunity where you didn't have to be talking, you could be praying for a particular situation? Last night, as I was walking Callum back and forth for 15 minutes while he decided to fight me going to sleep, I just was thinking about the sermon. I thought, man, I have an opportunity here to pray for my son. Not think about what I'm not watching on TV because he's screaming and I can't hear it. And I just began to pray peace over my child, that he would be a child of peace, that he would know the peace of God and he can't talk back to me anyway, so what else was I going to do but talk to God? Maybe next time you're, you're sitting in line at the pickup line waiting for your kids, instead of scrolling, you could pause and say, God, would you give me the strength today to, to receive my kid with love and mercy in whatever condition they're coming home from school with everything that's been thrown at them and everything they're feeling? God, would you prepare me to help them? Maybe next time you're, you're chopping veggies or washing dishes or doing whatever for a meal, you can pause Say, God, would you spiritually nourish my children? Would you fill them up with your truth? Next time you're up at 3 in the morning, um, you, you could pause and say, God, thank you for this opportunity. Would you put other people in my child's life who are going to speak truth to them? In fact, we believe in this so much, we're actually going to give you a, a prayer card on the way out. I want to challenge everyone to grab one of these. They're going to be out by the chocolate. So everybody can grab them. Man, if I see you grabbing chocolate, I'm going to slap your hand, unless you're grabbing it for her. But I'm going to ask you next week if you ate it or she ate it, all right? 
<laughs> but here, here's his prayer card. It's 31 ways to pray. So one for each day of the month. You're praying for salvation, praying that they would know God's love, praying for honesty and integrity, for mercy. And um, I, I'm going to put this in my room. I'm going to grab two of them. I'm going to put it in the room by my boys' uh, beds while I'm putting them to sleep. I'm going to pick one of these and I'm going to pray it. So I'm going to challenge you. I grab one of these on the way out um, and just begin to call heaven down on behalf of your children and your, your grandkids. The third thing uh, that I want you to remember, and this, I hope, will be one of the most encouraging things you're going to hear today, is that as much as you love your kids and as much as you're fighting for your kids and grandkids, God loves them more. And I want you to remember that God is fighting for them. God is fighting battles for your kids. That's our third point. Let's go and throw it up there. God is fighting for your kids in a way that you could never even imagine. And it's crazy to think about that God loves your kids more than you do. And that's hard to believe because you love your kids a lot and you love your grandkids a lot, but God loves them more, which means at times God will take them on paths that you would not have picked for them because God knows something that's coming and, and he's got to work something out. And, and would you take great confidence in the fact that as much as you love your kids, God loves them more? Would that put a little ease in your heart today that God is going to do everything to rescue them from sin and deliver them into light? In fact, I want you to see what Jesus says about the sweet, loving, uh, gentle Jesus has this to say about uh, the special place that kids are in God's heart. Matthew chapter 18, he says, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. I want to pause right there. I want you to catch the weight of what he just said. Whoever welcomes a child in my name, whoever serves in kids' ministry, whoever serves in schools, whoever serves children, what you're doing when you're doing that serves God. Do you catch that? The weight he put on loving kids is that when you do that, what you're really doing is you're loving God because they bear the image of God. That's how important they are. And I want you to see where Jesus takes this next. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. I picture this moment in my head a little bit, and I don't know if this is how it happened, but this is how I picture it. There's Jesus sitting on a rock, and he's talking to people, and he sees a kid, and he brings the kid up, and he uses the kid as an object lesson. And earlier in the passage, he talks about having faith like a child, and, and if you want to be in the kingdom of God, you have to be like one of these little ones and, and just have faith in God. And then you just see like this mean dad face come. And if any of you cause one of these to stumble, I'm going to tie a Honda Civic around your neck and throw you in the Susquehanna River. You're just like, whoa, Jesus, that got dark. <laughs> but is that not what he said? Tie a millstone and throw you into the sea. And you just see this ferociousness come out of Jesus as he seeks to defend and protect those that are, hard, or those that are helpless. As he sees to protect and defend those that the world would not care for. As he sees to protect and defend those that the world doesn't see value in yet. Or those that are weak in mind because they're still maturing. Jesus defends them with ferociousness. Would we take comfort in that? That God is fighting for your kids and we can fight with God for your kids. The first three really had to do with you inviting others and God into this. And the last two really have to do with what, what's on our plate. What do we need to do? What are some things we need to be looking for? Well, here's the fourth one, and I hope this one makes sense to you. Be the adult you want them to grow up to be. You have to be the adult you want them to grow up to be. Here's the thing about kids. You know this. I don't have to tell you this. They are masters at watching what you do and repeating it, <laughs> whether we like it or not. 
Even things you don't even realize you do. Like my kids are a little bit too young for me to have seen this, but uh, some people have told me this. Like you, you see your kid doing something and you go to discipline him and you're like, no, oh, that's me. Like <laughs> that is me in half size form right there. And I don't know what to do about this, right? Like God it just uses kids to reveal some things in us. And it's because God is using our kids to reveal some things in us. That it's actually a gracious gift from God, And as much as we want to say the right things to our kids, and it's incredibly important that we speak life to them and we speak truth to them, they are listening and they are watching and they are consistently asking the question, do those two things line up? Are the words they're speaking matching up with the lifestyle they're, they're watching? And I want you to see this, the standard that Paul sets here for all of us. Philippians 4, verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul's talking about his spiritual children, but the same principle applies here. He's, Paul says to the church, live like me, talk like me, walk like me, and it will go well for you. God will be with you. And every time I read that verse, I, I pause and go, could I confidently say that to my children? Could I say that to those around me? Walk like me, talk like me, and it will go well for you? Paul sets this bar of the lifestyle we live incredibly high. Not just the words we say, though. Those are important because here's what's true. The life we live speaks louder than the words we say. Now, the words we say really do matter, but they're weighed against the life our kids and grandkids watch us live. I've asked myself this question, and I asked myself this question way before I had kids, because I wanted to get myself ready for children, and I knew that all that that was going to bring, and and I hope this question brings you some encouragement and maybe some areas to to grow in. The question's this. Would I be happy if my kids turned out just like me? Would I be happy if my kids turned out just like me? Gulp. (laughs) Because if I'm going to be honest with you this morning, there's some things that I I don't want my boys to exhibit that I know are in me. And what has God done? Graciously use my kids to reveal an area that I need to grow in. In that moment, I I go, oh, okay. I want my kids to do X, Y, and Z, which means I need to be the adult that I want them to grow up to be, and I need to work on X, Y, and Z. See, the thing about kids is we're always asking them to grow, change, mature, to stop doing behaviors and start doing new ones. Well, Well, scriptures would ask the same of us that we're not too old to grow and change. We're not too far down our parenting styles to be different. We can grow, change, and mature just like we are asking our kids to grow, change, and mature. Here's the last thing for us this morning. Never give up doing the right thing. Never give up doing the right thing. I know it feels overwhelming, and I know uh, all the different voices, and as you look at social media and the pressures and the pressures from other parents and all of those competing things, it can feel so overwhelming and paralyzing. Would you uh, grow in your courage to just do the next right thing? God doesn't ask you to figure out what the next five years look like for your kids, though planning is helpful, and you should do that. Scripture has asked us to do the next right thing in parenting. I don't know what next year holds. I don't know how. You don't have to. All we have to know is how to do the next right thing. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says this. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. My encouragement to you this morning is, however downtrodden you're feeling or uplifted you're feeling, would you keep doing the next right thing? 
Would you take courage in the fact that God has made this promise that if we keep doing the best we know how and we allow others to speak into that and we invite others into the situation that we will reap a harvest. We will get to see the good fruit. And that may not look like what you want it to look like all the time because the reality, our kids are humans. And they grew up to be humans with free will. And they get to make the choices they make. But we get to do everything possible to provide for them a pathway that they can win. We're going to listen to a testimony here of a, a woman who um, really embodies much of what the series is talking about. She's fighting for her own life, and she's, she's fighting for some things and some, some battles internally that she's dealing with, but then how that causes her to have to fight well uh, for the next generation. Let's watch this together. I grew up in a Catholic household. At 14 years old, I was molested and went through a court process and everything, and that kind of turned me away from God. Then when I was 15, my boyfriend passed away in a car accident. Um, I was there with him when he took his last breath, and when they um, claimed time of death, I swore God off. I said, I, I, no more, no more. I've been hurt enough, and I turned my back. And after that, my life had a series of events. I was a runaway at 16, didn't go back to my parents until I was 18. Um, I had my first son, and I would almost mock God, I would say, you know. I believe in me. Um, I had a, a very bad car accident in 2006, and I almost died. The injuries that I sustained, most people don't come back from. I had a brain injury, and, and I came out of it, and I was out of the hospital within months, and okay, and instead of leaning on my faith and saying, God spared me, I said, I believe in, in the God of terror. I, I believed in myself. I saved myself. I did all the work. I did this. I didn't change on that for a while. Then I met Amanda Moyer, who she was a nurse for caregivers at the time, and we had similar stories and similar experiences, and she opened up to me one day, and she talked to me, and she told me, she says, why don't you come to church with me? And I said, they don't want me in a church. They, the church will fall down on top of me. It will, no, it won't be a good situation. And she said, no, you, you can come and sit with Stu and I. And, and I did. And I was moved at the worship music. Then when Pastor Bob spoke, it was just, he I felt like it was speaking to me. Like, it wasn't about, you know, my past. It wasn't about the sins that I've committed. It, it's about overcoming them and getting past them and knowing Jesus already died for my sins, that I'm already forgiven. And I don't have to live in that, that, that despair. Um, and then in 2016, I had had my second son. And I asked Amanda, I said, Amanda, I think I'm ready to be baptized. I spoke with Pastor Bob and I started doing the classes and I got baptized. And Amanda told me, she says, be careful, watch, because now that you have accepted Christ as your savior, the devil's gonna work 10 times harder because he's like, no, I want that person back, you know? And I thought, no, I got this. It's, I'm good, I'm good. I'm praying, I'm going to church, you know? But I don't think I truly understood what it meant to surrender and give your life to Christ. You know, I, I just did the, the show part of it. Um, and 10 days after I was baptized, I relapsed after five years of sobriety. After I relapsed, I thought, oh my gosh, 
there's no coming back from this. I'm not forgiven. I'm not, this, this didn't work. God, God wasn't with me. He didn't, he didn't help me through this. I, you know, I, he was supposed to make me strong. So when that temptation came, that it would be gone. And it wasn't. Um, and that was a three-year relapse. And I lost everything. I lost custody of my kids. I lost myself. I lost my self-worth. And it ended up where I attempted my own suicide. When it was a failed suicide attempt, I knew that was the bottom I could believe in. And I said, God, okay, I'm meant to be here. You know, I tried, but I'm meant to be here. Help me. Um, I went to rehab the next day and cleaned up. And when I got out, I haven't looked back. I see other people struggling with what I've gone through. And, you know, that's what my purpose is, is to help people get through that and to let them know that there is a light. There is somebody with you and he's waiting for you. He's been waiting for you. You just need to reach out. Ever since I did that, I haven't had a craving. I haven't had that because I feel empowered. I feel like I'm not alone in this. You know, you believe and Jesus will be there and God will be there. It doesn't matter how low you have been. It doesn't matter what your past is. Um, I now have custody of both my boys. Um, working on buying a house. I've got a full-time job. I work with those in recovery. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, person, a grateful person in long-term recovery. I have two and a half years this month. <laughs> um, and I just had a lifetime to go and I can't wait for what God has in store for me. If somebody is struggling with addiction, with trauma from your past, God has never left you. He's been with you and he's going to be with you. He's waiting for you just to reach out to him. What I love about Tara's story is as she was fighting her own fight, she knew she had to fight for her kids, but I think she really embodies for us Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Never give up doing the right thing. For in due time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And I just see this determination in her that even in her shortcomings and even in the things that she wishes weren't true, she knew she wasn't out of the game because God was with her and he could undo anything. And I just want to speak encouragement to you this morning that as you consider the life you're modeling for your kids, they don't need perfection out of you, but what they do need is to see you continually running back to the feet of Jesus. If we could model for our kids confession and repentance, if we could model for our kids our own desperate need for Jesus and, and us being willing to say, you know what, I was wrong, and here's why I was wrong, and Christ has forgiven me, would you forgive me? If our kids could learn that from us, the advantage they would have as they uh, walked into their own struggles and, and walked into their own pursuit of Jesus. And so uh, my challenge is that we would just normalize apologizing that we would normalize uh, our need for other people in our life, that we would normalize running to the feet of Jesus and we would invite our kids to run there with us. The band's going to sing a song, and um, I, I hope that this song serves as a bit of an anthem for you. So I want to invite you to, to sing along in this song, but I want you to also be praying. I want you to be praying for your kids, for the kids in the back, for your grandkids, for uh, anybody in your life, that they would know truth, that God would uh, speak truth over them, that the people around them would love them well, and that they would grow up to know the love of Jesus. To, to the weary and, and downtrodden mom, I, I pray this song would be an anthem for you.
that as you fight on your knees, and sometimes that's all the strength that you have, that you would know God is fighting for you, and the battle belongs to the Lord as we fight for the next generation.